views expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants in no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. Authors Hour. Get the story behind the story. It's all on the Authors Hour. You'll get to hear the authors talking about their books and the journey behind how it all began. Join the opportunity to hear the insights on what inspired them to write it. Now, here is your host, Wayne G. Barber. Good morning, America. Beautiful bluebird skies this morning, Tuesday morning, 9.05. And that means you've got another episode of the award-winning Authors Hour on Smokin' 99.9 FM, WNRI, and a loyal, loyal following on TuneIn Radio. It seems to be going through the roof. I personally like to listen on Simple Radio, a free app. I put it on my uh, small phone. I'm working in my garden, working outside, and listen to the great programming at WNRI since 1954. Blockbuster show for you today. Return visit. Cumberland resident Joe Silva. Four different books out there. An illustrious Hall of Fame career in the music industry. Celebrating the 40th anniversary of the threats. And uh, I apologize, I did some advertising and I put a D instead of a T. But that's another Scottish group that we just had a real good chuckle about in the lobby. Also, Joe was a proud member of the Association of Rhode Island Authors, like yours truly, also on the board. And uh, we're going to get back from going from the virtual monthly meetings to our regular monthly meetings and get out there and doing some uh, eye, eye contact with book signings. And we'll get that all rolling in high gear. A record 370 members in the group right now. And even though everything is basically virtual right now, the growth is there. And we're getting a lot of compliments from other organizations around the country. We're about to reinstitute, too, the lively literati at the East Greenwich Hotel on Main Street in East Greenwich. We had accomplished such a feat down there with the relationship with those owners, open arms, a nice horseshoe bar, and a unique setting because they have a live band there every weekend. And they leave the equipment all up and we were using their PA system and the mics for the lively literati. It was just absolutely phenomenal. Traction was growing. We almost got to a cop out there for the limited parking on Main Street. And then, bang, the virus come in and, you know, with capacity rules and stuff. But we'll get going on that. And also, poetry is in full, full bloom right now. I'll tell you, that part of the industry... Absolutely exploding. I'm so excited about it. And uh, we got a lot of poets in our group. Please listen to the follow advertisement and think if you would be a possibly a good candidate to join the Association of Rhode Island Authors. Association of Rhode Island Authors. Anyone can join the Association of Rhode Island Association of Authors. But you'll find that a published author and an aspiring author with a complete manuscript will benefit most 
from our membership. In addition, your membership fee helps support all Rhode Island's most talented writers. Benefits of being an ARA membership include networking with dozens of local published authors at our monthly meetings that are always held on the second Thursday of the month. Presentations from industry pros on a wide array of published topics, exclusive invitations to speak and conduct your presentations at libraries and other venues. Advance notice of any expos, festivals, and any other event where books are sold. A reduced table fee at the Rhode Island Authors Expo, a website link in IRA's members directory, and so much more. Check us out at www.riauthors.org. I did. AuthorsHourBookstore.com. New and slightly read books. If you heard our author interview on our Authors Hour every Tuesday at 9 a.m., we will stock it. Call Wayne, WNRI at Yahoo.com for any locator service or a closeout book. Again, it's the new AuthorsHourBookstore.com. Harvest Moon Health Foods, Route 21, Unit 4, Colonial Plaza in Putnam, Connecticut. 860-928-2352. Healthy foods for a healthy lifestyle. Gluten-free products. Over 100 dried herbs, nuts, and seeds. Healthy snacks. Help your body to reinforce its immune response. Hemopathic and herbal allergy relief. We stock quality brand manufacturers, including Against the Grain, Rudy's, Nature's Plus, Vatlin's Organic Oils, Food for Life, and so much more. Natural honey and organic coconut sugar, raw milk. Elderberry for flu remedies. Consumer-friendly hours are Monday through Wednesday, 10 to 6 p.m., Thursday to Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Sundays, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. HarvestMoonHealthFoods.net, Unit 4, Colonial Plaza, Putnam, Connecticut. 860-928-2352. Proud sponsor of Brian Tag and the number 9 in the late model at Thompson Speedway. And Brian's already raced twice this year at the uh, World, uh, the Icebreaker at Thompson Speedway in the late model series. And he traveled up to Loudoun, New Hampshire this past Sunday in the Act Tour and finished in the top 20 there. He'll be finishing out the season in Thompson and also selected Act Tour races. Folks, if you or someone you know is celebrating a birthday and you want Wayne to announce it on his program, just send him an email. His address is WayneWNRI at Yahoo.com. Help make that special someone feel like celebrating with a birthday shout-out on WNRI. Thank you, Johnny. And happy birthday today. Our affiliate reporter in North Carolina, Cleveland, North Carolina's relative, uh, Jim Snake. Turned 72 today from his wife, Crystal. Uh, Misty Fiali, uh, my wife Susan's cousin, turns 46 today. Stacy Katz Rawson from Harrisville, Rhode Island, 46. And tomorrow on the 21st, it'll be Connie Bea Della Baba. Uh, right there, a big happy birthday from her family and friends. What a show we got. We're going to be talking about a book. Uh, the gentleman has four books out there right now. He gave me a copy of the fourth one, a big one, because it just might be a movie script. But today, he wanted to go with this book that he had given to me the last time he was on. Uh, we had done uh, Friends, Frogs, and Funerals, 
uh, that particular book. And today we're going to discuss uh, another book by Joe Silver, Cumberland, Rhode Island resident, Saint Purgatory. The spiritual life and death mystery novel follows the interwoven souls of seven people from a town called Hope. Sound familiar, Rhode Island? <laughs> a morally enriched tale of good against evil that includes many plots, twists, and turns, and I can attest to that. St. Purgatory takes a look at several thought-provoking journeys that will have readers entertained while thinking more profoundly about life in general and death. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Wayne. Great to be uh, back here at WNRI with you. Unbelievable. Uh, Ernie Potter says hello. Oh, well, I can't wait to see Ernie again, uh, probably at Chan's uh, when he comes back with Through the Doors. You know, to start off the show, I, if you don't mind, I'm going to cut into your time for about 45 seconds. Yeah. It came to my attention that John Chan is going to be inducted into the college doctorate Hall of Fame doctorate type of thing. Interesting. They're going to give him a doctorate in May. Interesting. For Good for him. Contributions, or chants with the jazz, mm -hmm. his artwork, and everything else in general. Well, he's been doing it for decades, and I don't think anyone does it better. So, good oh, for him. Hats off. My God, what a place for a show. Mm -hmm. A local person, you know, I'm so proud to announce that. I, I hate to cut into you. Oh, time. are you kidding? That's something to celebrate. It's part of the odds. <laughs> Absolutely. The odds. Absolutely. Okay. This particular book, St. Purgatory, is totally left base from Frog's Friends and Funeral. Mm -hmm. The other one was more of a memoir of the kids growing up and looking back and stuff. And this one here, your creative juices really started flowing with your plots. For instance, uh, the heavily drinking person that worked in town hall uh, decides to give him a ride and swings over to the packy. And I thought it was gonna turn into one thing and it turned into just the opposite. Mm -hmm. It floored me. Interesting, yeah. And then I followed it, and how that turned into who picked him up while he was hitchhiking, hitchhiking in this day and age, putting it out into the book, a really flashback in my life. <laughs> now I think he'd get arrested for it now. Probably. But the twist and turns, it showed you coming out as an author. I cannot wait to read Sand Hill Cove. Oh, great. Thank you. You already gave me that copy, and it looks like it's over 400 pages. It's 600, so yeah, it's an investment of time. <laughs> so thanks for taking a look at it. I, I can see the evolution of you as a growing experience as a writer. And then you dropped the bombshell with me this morning, giving me the big book. And I said, why did you go in the expensive big book? And you explained it. You're mm -hmm. looking as a script, same size as a movie script. Yes. Which is... Thinking outside the box, absolutely perfect. And that's the way to go on marketing. You've got to think outside the box. You really do. In that particular book that I gave to you, I know we're supposed to talk about St. Purgatory, but that's uh, Journey Through a Dream. It also comes with a 17-song soundtrack that you can find online. So it will cue you um, just like a regular movie script would, where the music comes in, what the song would be. Um, so that way a reader can stop, go to their computer, listen to the song that, that, happen, that happens in that particular character's life at that point in time, um, which becomes a soundtrack for that, for that book. 
Saint Purgatory by Joe Silva, today's book, available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and selected uh, bookstores around, probably Stillwater Books, yes. or maybe Banks on a Square and stuff like that, or other places. Out on the east side, yep. And uh, this one here, from start to finish, do you remember what the time frame was on it? Was you able to get right into it, or did you have to cherry pick? In, in what aspect? Uh, creating the book. So, you know, it's interesting, the, the roots of the idea for this book, I was um, filling in for a, a music teacher in Pawtucket. Uh, she was an elementary school music teacher on maternity leave, so I, I filled in for a year. And at this particular school, um, sadly, several teachers had passed uh, away during this time span, um, relatives of them would. And it felt very surreal, almost as if it was you know, some sort of waiting area before you moved on. And it just gave me the idea of St. Purgatory, um, where you don't really know, the characters don't know that they've passed yet, but they're working on things that they should have gotten right during their lifetime. Um, so that was really, it was a very real situation that gave me the idea for the book, and then I just, you know, let my imagination take over. And as you've read, you know, all of these uh, characters in the book, I concentrate on seven of them, even though, even in life, they didn't know how interwoven their lives were. Uh, very much so, they learned that they were, as are many of our lives, interwoven, aren't they? The character of the mayor in a town that you've had a confrontation with right from the start, mm -hmm. you've got one vision of what you want to do, and she has just the opposite. You clash right off the bat. Please close the door because this is going to get heated. Uh, can you elaborate on... Is that anybody you know in real life, that particular man, personality-wise? So, personality-wise, I think, you know, we can, we can draw that conclusion out of many mayors and politicians, can't we? Um, a lot of my books do. Um, I, I, I take very real experiences and turn them into, you know, uh, scenes in my fictitious books. This is no different, you know, so I won't go into names or anything like that, but... Um, you know, I've dealt with mayors and over my, my time and <laughs> folks in high places, yeah. Fans, you want to see the eyes rolling? <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was priceless. And not that any of this is, um, you know, autobiography at all. This is a, a fiction book, but, um, you know, again, just uh, reflections of things I remember and, you know, can twist now it a little bit. Now, you're touching the book Christianity mm -hmm. and your faith and all that. And yes. I've noticed uh, you heavily go that way on your Facebook page. Yes. Uh, matter of fact, you're probably put in jail a few times here and there. <laughs> Sadly, right? It's concerning, but yes. But you're really strong in your convictions on that, the way the country's going and views and everything else. Uh, do you think it's going to come into a point, say, book number five, book number six, book number seven, where you really just let it all out on your views on what's happening in the country? Um. So I'm not sure that that's the case. Now, first of all, if I were to write a book, I think the book is writing itself as we watch it. I don't think yeah. anybody could get more creative. And, you know, I, 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 and this book could go either way, right? The one that's being naturally written. Um, and it's so exhausting to even just watch. I'm not sure I'd want to dive into that full head on. You know, I do have other um, books in mind that have nothing to do with this. It almost as an escape. I think, you know, America, even people around the world, they're looking for an escape of all of this. Uh, that being said, this, I believe, has been um, in the makings, if we find where we are today with pandemics, some call it a plandemic, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
going back as far as the beginning of television, you know, there's been a lot of propaganda that's been served up. So you'll find when you read uh, Sandhill Cove, it, that takes um, that's more of an autobiographical autobiographical book um, where I, I show, you know, this child growing up for, in over 50 years, how um, society and American pop culture, you know, worked its way in and out of this character's life. You know, and, and as the world changed because of it, and the whole time, like during the summers on San Hill Cove, was warned, don't go into the dunes, the dunes are going to go away, you know, these shifting sands, raising millions of dollars to save the dunes. And after 50 years, the one thing in life that didn't change were the dunes. <laughs> so. Who got your creative juices flowing on writing? Was it a spinoff of writing music? I think so. Yeah, so, you know, music, to me... It was my life, right? So I started playing nightclubs when I was 14. So I had been doing it for years prior to that to get to that and point. writing. Writing music, yes. And, you know, just before the last election, um, you know, I was at kind of a peak of career in, in that I was working with a big producer nationwide. and But I also got a, um, you know, a peak of that you know, world, which as a Christian, it kind of goes against a lot of my beliefs and it, it just nothing felt right. And I think that we just kind of divorced each other at some point And I started writing books, you know, the creativity had to go somewhere. So it went into books and it's interesting. You know, I used to have to tell a tale within three minutes or so. And now I can use as many pages as, as I want to uh, fully tell that tale. Writing songs, absolute inspiration. It just comes upon you. Or is it a planned thing with another musician? No, it's definitely uh, something that just kind of happens. And, you know, a lot of times folks will say, does the music come first or did the lyrics come first or the melody? And somehow it just kind of all comes at once. As far as uh, I think the first thing that comes is a melody, a catchy melody. And then there are certain phonic sounds, I feel, that go with that. And so I let the song lead me as far as uh, lyrically. Um, and sometimes subject matter wise and then the music kind of forms itself around it you'll, you'll know which chords uh, structures to put there I've read many times from many many songwriters they'll get an inspiration in a restaurant they'll grab a napkin mm -hmm. they're in a bus they're in a plane and they'll just get that inspiration right off the bat uh, also uh, with your particular rock style music I would put it into that genre uh, not really hard, hard rock. It's one step below, I think. And uh, also the same style as your books. Because your books, I think, are ready for maybe teen through adults. Mm -hmm. I is agree that with that. Are you targeted? Yes. Okay, this is not for teeny pop, you know, younger ones. You know, for guardians or grandparents that are trying to buy some books for their kids. Mm -hmm. All of your books fall in that uh, time frame for... Uh, age groups i think so and, and i don't hold off on as far as word usage so i don't you know limit vocabulary because of that if i wanted to go younger i think i'd have to do that and maybe there will be a place where i, I do want to get a certain message across or just an entertaining story across to um, someone at the younger age um but that's not the case yet okay getting back to your inspiration to get you go as a writer with books uh, did you have any type of mentor that helped you through the first book? No. No, just... Um, so the first book, so it's the one I brought you today, was actually the very first one. I just had never given you a copy of that, so I, okay. I, I gave that to you this morning. And that was... Um, I was out in Los Angeles at a um, 
at an afternoon party, and um, Mike Farrell from the movie MASH, uh, movie MASH, well, I guess they made a movie too, but the TV show MASH was yeah. there. And he had just released a book, um, so we get to talking about writing, and I told him, you know, my background in, in the music world, about how, you know, I had so many stories about, you know, even moving out to L.A. that I thought would be inspirational, almost um, to the point where almost unbelievable that these experiences happened. Um, so he kind of encouraged me to go ahead and, and start writing. And at that same party, I met someone that was a film uh, producer. And in this book, St. Purgatory, there's a scene where he meets a film producer and it goes through the steps where like this film producer wants him to essentially denounce God in, in order to take it to the next stage. So that's one of the real things in my life that you know crept into one of my writing. Um, so I, I wrote it in a script form, like I gave it to you before. And then when I came out to L.A., she had invited me to, um, to stay at her place. I ended up not because of things that happened uh, or didn't happen. Um, and I just, you know, that's what forced me into writing that so I could hand her the script. I didn't want someone manipulating the thoughts. And then I just released it as my own book and thinking that, you know, I'll just get back to the movie end of it as time goes by. Since the election we now see how evil um hollywood is I, i've gotten a sneak peek years ago while living there in the 90s but how you know really you have to sell your soul you know it's not even far-fetched anymore when i say that you know comp part of the business it's kind of part of the business and you know it ties to things like epstein's island and all of that there's a lot of blackmail that goes on so they own you and you know things that you would have to do to get into that club you pretty much guarantee you're not going to heaven so I got a question that I thought about the first time you were on that I did not get in, and it bothered me all the way home. Uh -huh. Being a writer, now an established writer with four books, and writing career in music, altogether different setup, matching the melody, working with other members of the group, their styles, what they like and what they don't like, the lyrics part of it, who impressed you the most? when you were starting out on writing lyrics? That's a good question. Was it uh, maybe The Doors? Huh. You know, and, and that's a good... Um, How about Eric Burden and the Animals? So when I first... Before, when we started playing nightclubs, we were a cover band. So, you know, I, I remember singing Magic Carpet Ride um, yeah. from behind the drums, right. you know, um, which was Eric Burden and the Animals. And then in the future, we ended up opening for David Johansson that did a, a medley of animal songs. Um, so we were on, it was called uh, Live It Up, I think was the name of the album, but it went to number one. So we were on that particular tour. So probably, but I think if I were to put my finger on something, and this may surprise you, but it would be Neil Diamond. You know, just driving home from Sand Hill Cove in my mom's good choice. In my mom's car, we had two eight-track cassettes. One was the Guess Who, so we'd like crank that on the way American Woman and all those songs on the way to the beach and on the way home, trying to lull myself and the four sisters uh, to sleep. She'd put on Neil Diamond. Well, I'd stay awake and listen to all those melody and melodies and lyrics, and I kind of think that's where where um, the songwriting came from. And even though, you know, with the band The Threats, it was uh, pretty much a, a, a rocking band, um, but I'd like to think that all of these songs also passed the campfire test where you can uh, put on an acoustic guitar and, and deliver it, you know, slow and, and You still keep in touch with the band members? I do. We're scattered around the country now. Um, but, but everybody's still living. Everyone's still living. Yeah, last time I saw my guitar player, I was heading out to Los Angeles um, cross-country in a car. 
And I surprised him at one of his shows and <laughs> ended still up sitting playing. in. Still playing. Still playing, yeah. Doing, uh, doing very well. He's in a, a cover band out there, like an alternative, uh, kind of a southern country thing. But, you know, he'll play it uh, in Phoenix to, um, you know, college break. He's probably doing it this week to 30,000 people. So he's having fun with music so still. And, yeah. Good times. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break now. We've got to pay a few bills. But Jeff uh, graciously loaded something in here right now. And let's see if we can listen to this. And I don't hear anything. I thought you were following the break with it. Okay. Yeah, I know you were following the ads. Okay, no problem at all. We're going to do an ad on this and we're going to get a... Now it's on. Here we go. Please enjoy.
cuts in the CT, blue by Joe Silver and the Threats. And also, uh, Joe should be uh, talking with Book Lovers Gourmet, getting her books, uh, getting his books up in her store. Uh, Book Lovers Gourmet is your local independent bookstore, owned and operated by Debbie Horan since 1995. She's very receptive for local authors and book signings and virtual stuff. That's good to know. She'll really give you a good plug on it. At uh, 72 East Main Street, Webster, Mass. Uh, phone number, she opens about 10 o'clock, unless she's in brewing Hogan Brothers Coffee right now, which is also available by the pound. You can contact Debbie and her fine staff at 508-949-6232. Book Lovers Gourmet is books, coffee, gifts. On Saturday, April 24th, it's Independent Bookstore Day throughout the country. Join the celebration. She's going to have numerous giveaways, exclusive merchandise all day long from 10 to 5 p.m. And a special poetry reading at 2 p.m. right in the parking lot. This is going to be her second one. The first one, she had five poets, and it really worked out very smooth. 72 East Main Street, Webster, Mass. Book Love is Gourmet at 508-949-6232. And also, it is Tuesday, and we all know that our local pizza expert in the place, Jeff Gamage, has got Cereal's Pizza Rammer and Restaurant located in Pasco, Rhode Island, at the Bridgeton Triangle. Now, if you're setting your GPS and your Garmin, it's going to kick out, because it's actually Church Street, 405 Church Street. But us old fogies consider that Bridgeton Triangle. Over 52 years in business, and Tuesday is the day. You know, it's a beach day today. It's so nice out. Get out to the park. Lodge cheese pizza. Have a beach blanket pizza day. Joe brought in the donuts this morning. I think Jeff's ate half of them already. <laughs> but we got uh, Tuesday, a large cheese pizza at Cereals every Tuesday. Six dollars, 15 slices, rectangle shape, nice cornmeal crust. Don't tell Jimmy, but I put my own pepperoni and mushrooms on it. It's enough for two nights for empty nesters. And it'll also give me four extra pieces tonight to watch Oak Island. <laughs> I'm just giving you a little personal contact. Sunday dinner for two at Cereal's. Now, Joe attends a lot of restaurants, and I'm looking at him right now. We, he's not hurting for weight. You know, J.R. and Jeff, too. We, look, we like to munch. But on Sunday, he has a dinner for two at Cereal's. Six to ten entrees. He changes it up all the time. From pork chicken, beef, or seafood. Dinner for two, $19.99. Now, the clincher. There's no strings attached. You get soda or coffee, including decaf. Usually it makes me a fresh pot. And you top that all off. I hope you give that server an extra fin. For $19.99, it'll make you feel good, that person feel good, and Jimmy feel good. And just before you go to leave, you get a tap on the shoulder and say, Wayne, you still have a homemade pastry coming, too. So don't tell my wife, but I usually get lemon meringue. I usually <laughs> give her the bread pudding. I get the lemon meringue. And don't tell my doctor either, the cardiologist. But what a deal every Sunday. Dinner for two, $19.99. The iconic Cereal's Pizza River and Restaurant at the Bridgeton Triangle. 401-568-7187. One more, and we're going to get back to Raqqa. Uh, let me see who we're going to go on next. We're going to go with 
Borrowable Motor Sales. Loud New Hampshire this week, Thompson the week before. Any of your famous restaurants that are opening up now, you always find the same, same commonality. Somebody comes out, kicks the tires, slams the roof of the car. You know what I'm going to say. They lock their keys in a key fob in the car. Now, who are they going to call? They're going to call an ex-wife, be reminded they're three months behind their alimony. Are you going to call Ghostbusters for the third edition? No. I gave you enough time. Get that paper and pencil on your Android right now and download 401-568-6286. By calling that same number, you can schedule a Rhode Island vehicle state inspection. Joe, you know there's only 11 states that still have a state inspection? Really? It's about time we drop it. I'm looking for one of the ones that don't. Connecticut, <laughs> they have an emission test. Okay, so it's Barrowville Motor Sales and Larry's 24-hour towing. If your car's got 300, 400,000 miles and you've got that stimulus track, you might want to consider a used auto and truck sales at the same location. Peter, Jerry, John, Brian, all ASC certified. Our service pot is five days a week. And also expert body work and insurance estimates. They work with all companies. 401-568-6286. Joe Silva, name of the book. If you're listening, this is Author's Hour. It's not the new WNRI Rock Hour, but uh, one of the things he's famous for is being in the music industry before his writing career. I believe that CD was blue. It was called Blue, yes. And that's still available out there? That is. What I did, too, is I put everything available on YouTube, so that way no one has to buy it anymore. Great idea. You know? Um, you getting a lot, <clears throat> excuse me, you getting a lot of hits on it now? I guess. I never really check. <laughs> I'm into writing, writing books now, but um, I'm like, you know, this day and age, who really buys music anyways? Everything's streamed, so just let the people have it. It's a changing business. It, it is. It really, really is. Yeah. St. Purgatory is the name of the book by Joe Silva. And let's get into your characters on it. you got seven solid characters into it. And any sequel to this particular story where you want to elaborate more on the characters? That's uh, an interesting question. Maybe there would be a sequel with a whole batch of new characters. Um, but, you know, I'd like to think that these characters learned what they needed to learn. So, for instance, uh, I had a second grade teacher. And if you recognized, they all had names that could be exchanged. So when they got to... St. Perpetuary Academy, uh, Addison Ambry was now Ambry Addison. That, that kind of clues off the reader, as does, um, you know, other, other words. But um, So she was probably the most pure of all the characters, um, but she lived a very secluded life, afraid to let go of anything, and never lived her life fully. So if you could say that that was her sin, that was what she kind of had to work uh, through. There was a guy named Willie Brock. He had a factory job, but he wanted to be a police officer. He got as far as being like an auxiliary cop, um, and, but he really wanted to be a cop so bad that he kept uh, giving up his morals and doing things that he shouldn't have done in Norfolk uh, to try to push that agenda along. Uh, you mentioned the mayor of Hope. That's uh, uh, Marjorie Murphy. When she gets to St. Purgatory, we find out that um, you know she's the principal of that particular school. Uh, not knowing herself what her past life was all about. So she had a lot to work uh, through as well. There was a, a gentleman by the name of Con, Connor Dander. He was a hot under the collar sales manager of a pet food corporation. Um, in in St. Perpetua, he learns about patience and fairness while he transferred 
uh, transformed into the business teacher at that particular school. Uh, so, how they switched him to um, at the board meetings, going from one brand to another brand as these big companies diversify. Yes, I thought that was very clever the way you blended that in in the book. Uh, in your family, in your circle of friends, have you encouraged anybody else to write books? I have. I have. Um, and, some, and some have, and some decided not to um, go that route. But, you know, there's a lot of, I, you know, I think everybody has a story or a 10. I do, too. Um, so if they feel compelled to, uh, to share that with the world, you know, I, I certainly encourage that. Okay, getting back to that part of it, on St. Purgatory, mm-hmm. uh, I keep jumping back and forth through all the books. And, like, yeah, the other one I'm going to read, see, and they'll go 600 pages, like you mentioned. The edit part of St. Purgatory, who did you delegate that to? So, and it's probably not the best advice for any author, but um, I I will go through and read it, and, and I'm sure you found like the maybe four or five word typos that are still in here. Um, but I, I go through it about three times myself before I let other, you know, whether it be fellow school teachers when I was teaching or... Um, just folks that I know have a good liter- literary sense about them. Um, but very rarely do I give it to someone when I feel it's not there. And when I say editing, it's just, hey, look for any typos and things of that nature. I don't want the story changed at all. Like, there's a reason why I wrote it the way I wrote it. So I don't necessarily look for editing. And if that's a, a fault as an author, I'll, I'll accept it, you know. Okay. I, I like the idea of a librarian. Are also uh, the specialized editors, as you learn in the Association of Rhode Island Authors, there's actually four different types of editing hmm. going on, copy editors or punctuation or whatever. Yes. And uh, it gets more specialized. Now, you're up to four books. Have you thought at this point of it's time for a publicist or uh, pushing a, a nice pitch? the whole package to a big publisher? Yes, and, and great question because I've been taking these past, so it's been five years since I've been writing books. So I'm right now writing my fifth book and I figured that once I have five under the belt, then I can be taken seriously as a, uh, an author. Um, and just slowly, you know, it's taken me this amount of time to learn this industry and, you know, as the music industry has its own uh, ways and mechanics um, that it goes along by you know better than I do about the uh, the book world, and I'm still learning. I'm just a babe in the book world. So, uh, but yes, I think it's um, this book I'm writing right now. I think is probably my strongest one. So I'm looking forward to uh, getting that one out at the end of summer, and then using the next year to really um, find a good literary agent. Or is it getting easier to write? I enjoy the process of writing, so I never it wasn't really painful to begin with. I think um, I'm spending more time swimming in the story now. So maybe it's um, it's becoming more involving as a, an author. You know, I, I really let the, the story simmer before I, like, I don't rush to paper. And I do write everything on paper, and that's part of my editing, too. I'll go back later and type type in, you know, several pages, and it gives me a second look at it. And is that really how I wanted to say that? So, Dreaming. Mm-hmm. You get up at 2 or 3 in the morning with uh, one of these books in your head, and you just, I got it, I got it. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, I guess you could say it's kind of like dreaming anyways, because I think a lot of my, if I could explain it, like thoughts in, in my periphery thoughts. So it's not like head on, like thinking about something, but allowing like whatever happens on either side of the brain to happen. So it's kind of like dreaming. Um, 
even with music, a lot of it didn't come through dreams. And I'm a dreamer. I, I dream a lot. Um, most times just getting to bed at two in the morning. But um, I think it comes when it comes. But for me, a lot of times it may be when I'm awake. But it's almost like, you know, if someone were to be in the room while I'm thinking out a book, it probably looks like I am dreaming or just kind of staring into space. So I, I don't even know what you call it. I just kind of call it the periphery of the... What was the... Uh the first largest pitfall that you found on the very first book, what was the, uh, the first tragic mistake you made on it that you learned and modified for the uh, later books? Well, it's interesting that you talk about size of books, right? So I wasn't thinking at all about profit or anything of that nature. Certainly the larger um, you go in print or the more fancy, the more expensive it's going to be to manufacture. More, more photos. Yes. So... You know, your profit does come down. It's harder to ship, you know, and I ship a lot of my own uh, books as well. Not everything goes directly through Amazon or, I mean, certainly that's always available to people. But a lot of times a friend will be interested in a book and I'll just, I'll put one in the mail to you. And um, so, you know, shipping all of that stuff, you know, the costs add up. So it's hard to make money and I never got into any game for the money. Um you can't look at it that way when no. you're reading a book. Nope, not at all. And then, you know, so interestingly, for the first book, the very first book, because it's written in a, a screenplay format, I had to educate myself mostly um, how screenplays are written. It's structure. A, it's an absolutely different structure. And I was familiar by my time out in Hollywood, but to have it on a page and all of the breakaways and the cutaways and who's speaking and the dialogue, you know, that's a, that's a science in its own. So, up front, I think that was my biggest challenge for my first book. Anything planned this year for your 40th, <coughs> excuse me, 40th anniversary? I would love to do an, a, an anniversary concert with the guys. Um, I'm not sure that will happen because, you know, we all do have our lives now and in our various points of the country. But I think that if the right, uh, now that things are opening up again, if the right um, venue is having the right, you know, large national act come through that we might be able to jump on as an opening act and just do a one-off concert in front of a lot of people, get it all done, and allow people to fly back to their lives. You know, I I, I put up to God, but hopefully, uh, hopefully that happens. With your music experience, one of my favorite shows me and my wife watch every single season is a show called The Voice on mm -hmm. NBC. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you're aware of that show. I am. Does that impress you, being authentic, or is it staged? You know, it's hard to know, because I, I, I don't know anybody on that particular show. And I've been around a lot of shows, and even some reality shows are not reality. Um, so I really don't know um, when it comes to that. And, and just knowing the music industry, I would find it hard to believe that purely these people are getting through all the way to the very end without compromising something. Certainly someone got to them and talked to them about, okay, well, this is how it's going to be. If you, Yeah. Um, the one thing that, and I think it's fantastic. I mean, these singers are fantastic. They right? are. They are, they're just off it's the charts. It's, they're off the charts. But the thing, you know, as a musician who kind of went through all the, you know, finding in a rehearsal space, saving up for that instrument, this blood, sweat, and tears, lugging equipment into a nightclub. I mean, we put in years of dues. And, you know, at the end of the day, or fast forward several decades, now you just kind of stand in line with a bunch of other people and sing, and you might make it that way. <laughs> just 90 one... 90 seconds of fame. Yeah. So, you know, um, I take it for what it is. A lot of talent, a lot of vocal talent. Um, not a lot of dues paid at the end. I think the original one, America, uh, 
American Idol. Mm -hmm. I think they've ruined and destroyed that show on that format. You can see how uh, it's organized by the directors. I mean, it's a wrestling match now instead of an event. Disingenuous is, you know. But the voice, I like the idea of they've turned around when they can't judge a person by their size. Well, their hairstyle, exactly, well, stuff like that. I mean, strictly, it's the sound mm-hmm. that they're generating, and I love that format. I really do. No, and they're fantastic. I mean, there's not a weak person on on there, including well, Emily right, right here yeah. from yeah, town. She did right? a great job. Yes, and I just love the show. But I wanted your opinion as somebody being in the business on that. Mm-hmm. What your take was on that? And I mean, you can't take away anyone's talent. You know, they certainly aren't talented, and I can't talk about behind the scenes of if, if the fix is in. Yeah. Um, but certainly I'm leery of anything Hollywood these days. Okay. You're working on another book now? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And also, do you have a website or a Facebook page where people can uh, probably buy the books from you head-to-head, one-to-one, so you can retain more of the profits? We do. And again, I don't make a lot of profits when by the time you mail them out, and I don't want to gouge someone yep. you know, for all of that. But um, if you go to, this is the website, and it's kind of lengthy, but it's, you have to spell that out, the thejoesilvawebsite.com. So, well, that's easier to remember. Yep, thejoesilvawebsite.com, and Silva is S-I-L-V-A. Any of the four books, uh, Rage right now that's going around, is Audible books. Have you got thought about that at all? And would you use your own voice or pay somebody a professional voice? Interesting. Um, I think I would use, <laughs> first of all, whenever I'm doing interviews like this in other parts of the country, they all kind of get down on my New England accent or Rhode Island accent. So I'm not sure that would serve me well. Maybe for, you know, St. Hill Cove because it's more autobiograph- autobiographical. Who am I even a problem with that word? Um, I, would, I would certainly narrate that one. I would maybe um, hire folks to do the others. In the, the book I'm writing right now, um, it sets out in the year 1397 out in, um, in England, and it works its way until almost modern time. But um, uh, that one I'd probably have find someone with a, a, a British accent or something to narrate that one to make it more um, authentic. Just one little story <laughs> of all the stories that you have. When I was uh, coming in today, I apologized to you on the threads versus the threats. <laughs> and you told me an interesting story, a real-life story, yes. if you wouldn't mind repeating that. Yes. So, um, I was, uh, so we had been playing around this area for 25-some-odd years. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm looking in back in the Providence Phoenix, was the newspaper yep. that advertised entertainment. And I saw that, you know, the threats were playing at the, the Met Cafe. And I called up the Met and said, yeah, listen, we're not booked to play there tonight. <laughs> Wait a and um, she said, oh, no, no, it's a band that came in from Scotland. And I'm like, huh, okay. And I had been over there and never knew that there was a band, you know, with the same name. So I ended up showing up at the club during soundcheck. And we ended up having a, a great time with each other. They had also been around for 25 years. We were trying to figure out what month they started, like in case we had to battle it out in court. We exchanged CDs and all, and all was well. But, yeah, they were a little bit harder than us. You know, you, you would know that that's not the American threats if you found them online. But. Yeah, uh, Wikipedia has got it that way. Oh, it does? It jumps back and forth. That's so funny. Huh. I apologize for the misspelling. <laughs> no, not a problem at all. But I think everybody in this area knows who you are and what you are and what you're all about. You're well, very sincere. You're very honest. You're real. 
and I love what you write. Oh, thanks so much. I can't wait to get another book. And I highly encourage the purchase of any book by Joe Silva, uh, teens or late teens and up. And uh, you got a lot to offer in your writing. I really, really appreciate that. And, you know, this will always be home, and I love everyone equally uh, back. Okay. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Wayne. And I know you got another appointment to go to. I do. Down on the farm. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. All right. Good to see you, Wayne. That concludes that part of the show. And that was brought to you by Northeast Race Cars and Speed. You know, they pick up and ship daily by 11 o'clock. And why I'm saying that is they have two 53-foot trailers that they have right at the racetracks. Uh, Stafford Speedway on Friday nights and Monadnack Speedway. You can see their trailers at Monadnack Speedway and New London Waterford Speed Bowl this year. So three different racetracks with on-site trailers with all your speed equipment needs. From Northeast Race Cars and Speed, pick up a ship daily by six o'clock by eleven o'clock. And they also share the same building as Hopkins Brothers Auto Repair at Six Hill Road in Harrisville. Now, Herbie takes care of that end. Uh, you can call 401-710-9992. And does the best brake job in Northern Rhode Island. I can attest to that and what a staff they've got. Race car part supplier and custom fabrication. Chassis setup. They'll actually square up a chassis for you with their mechanics. Simpson, MSD Ignition, Willwood, Moroso, and so much more. Race car parts and service from a career-long racer, Mr. Shane Hopkins. And also all kinds of specials on their Facebook page at Northeast Race Cars and Speed at 401-710-9992 at Six Hill Road in Harrisville, home also of Hopkins Brothers Auto Repair. I'll give you a little tip. I was there last week and I saw a new slab of fresh cement, 60 by 60, that's going to be the new home of the chassis shop right on the premises. More local jobs, more local taxpayers. They're making the investment for the long term. Now, Seekonk Speedway, they have lower divisions on Friday. Shane's got all the experience on those lower divisions. The Legends cars, the smaller cars, the Bandoleros. He raced down there three years with his grandson, along with Keith Rocco in 2010 when he was the national champion. He's got all that experience on all the divisions at Northeast Race Cars and Speed. 401-710-9992. And another one of our sponsors has a brand new home. No, he didn't sell his house in the North End. But American Beauty Sign Works is now working out of 706 St. Paul Street in nearby North Smithfield. American Beauty Sign Works is an essential coronavirus small business. Uh, formerly from Providence Street for all those years. And now they have uh, stalls where they can do the vehicle wraps and decals in an enclosed setting. Uh, and it's going to be so much better for the business to grow. And you're talking about business cards, uh, authors. We have pull-up signs that we put behind us. You know, it's like a shade type of material. You just 15 seconds and you're advertised, ready to go. Uh, banners. Uh, hang banners for your table, hand out paperwork, all kinds of goodies right there at American Beauty Signworks. Vehicle wraps, again, banners, truck lettering, uh, corrugated signs, metal signs, 
Did you have a lot of damage this year from all the wind we've had? It's not Chicago, the windy city anymore. It's uh, southern New England with all the wind we've had. They can do the repairs for you, too, that and so much more. I know this is that time of the year you're doing your taxes. And boy, Christmas wasn't just as much as you wanted it to be. Maybe you ought to start a new five-year business plan right now. Sit down with the fine folks at American Beauty Signworks. Desiree, that 60-inch screen she has with the portfolio. All the new businesses in the tri-state region, you'll see them there. I'm sure they can match your mission of what you want to accomplish in your business to have that person coming down the road five to seven seconds. He's got, do I turn left or turn right? And have them turn into your business and get a fair share of your market by having the correct signage from the experts at American Beauty Signworks. Vietnam veteran, uh, also a member of 818 Vietnam uh, local right here in Winsaka. You didn't know we had one? Yes, we have one and it's growing. American Beauty Signworks, Oscar Hancock. Uh, his son, Kurt, does most of the work. And Desiree, water designer with three E's. Now, how can you figure that out with three E's? Must be a designer. American Beauty. Uh, phone number. Let me see. I got a tattooed on my left arm. My wife thinks I'm having an affair. 401-767-2922. Same phone number, different location, and same great customer service. We got them all covered today. Oh, I almost forgot. You know, we had a couple of snowstorms last week. A lot of uh, juggling around with the uh, racing going on in New England. I jumped the gun and I planted uh, my onion sets. I got some nice sets from Canada this year. And they're supposed to be hardier. And I got my sugar snap peas in with my glass and stuff. But right over here at Belu's Flowers and Gift Shop at Diamond Hill Road with over 60 years of experience. She's adding on new arrivals every day, annuals, perennials, and you can do it right now. You want some instant color? My daughter-in-law, Lori, has already done it. She got all of her pansies at Be Loose Flowers. They'll tolerate a light frost, and they'll tolerate a little snow. And give your garden, your deck, and your breezeway some instant color. It'll attract your neighbors over. Maybe you can have a cookout. Get it going. But as it goes on, she'll have all your annuals, your tomato plants. Uh, she was discussing it on one of the other shows this week. And she's got a master plan because they have over 60 years of experience on the annuals and perennials. And all of your fall decorations later in the year. All your holidays. And don't forget, they are a full florist. Just because gift shop, she'll match up the denomination in your budget. The absolute perfect gift. Working with Ginny, Ralph, Stan, and three generations over there on the weekend. I love family small businesses, don't you? Fundraisers, Jeannie's at the top of the list. Don't even have to ask. Be Loose Flowers, 665 Diamond Hill Road, 766-3165. Area code popular. 401. Got everybody on the list. We're looking at the clock here. It's almost that time. I can't believe how fast a one-hour show goes on. The name of the book today was Joe Silva's book, Saint Purgatory. Highly recommended. 
uh, seven outstanding characters that'll reap, really keep you on your edge. I was uh, talking with the dialogue before we came on the show. I thought there was going to be a big sex scene coming. And he twisted gears and, oh, he really got me good. And it, it created my interest to read more of the book. It didn't have an early hook, the first three pages. But as the rhythm got going in the book, you knew it, it was going to be a good one. I cannot read. Next time I have him on the show, we're going to do Sand Hill Cove, 600 pages. I've got that one at the house now. So we'll get him back. And proud to say we're both members of the Association of Rhode Island Authors. Uh, we got our schedules all set now for the Situate Farmers Market. It uh, starts in May. We'll have a rotating basis with authors on that. Uh, we'll have a presence at this year's Autumn Fest, which is still scheduled. We'll have a presence over to Situate Art Festival. And the Butterville Art Festival, too, in September, uh, we'll have uh, a couple of authors per 10 by 10 tent uh, working over there with Veronica Eugen and her fine staff. So things are getting back to normal. And as the libraries open up with attendance, we'll be supplying all the authors to get the uh, stories out in the process if you have a manuscript and you're thinking of getting your own book out now. And uh, don't think you're going to just write one book and sit back and uh, live on those royalties forever. It's the amount of work you put into any profession you do, including the publishing business. As you know, the rule of thumb, all your New York Times bestsellers are made in the back room, not in sales. Uh, they only show the uh, books going out. That's what that's, uh, what is returned back to the manufacturer 90 days later. And promotion, promotion by the big five in the country is what generates those top ones, unless you're a celebrity. Thank you very much for tuning in. And Joe Silver and St. Purgatory, thank you for being our guest. Thank you to our fine sponsors, guests, and emailers at waynewnriyahoo.com and for tuning in to the Author's Hour. Remember to shop locally and to read a book. And tomorrow, please have the best day of your life. Your host, Wayne G. Barber.